Welcome to the latest episode of Your Wealth with Gemma Dale, a podcast series designed to help you create, grow and protect your wealth. Hi and welcome to this episode of Your Wealth. I'm Gemma Dale, NAB Trades Director of SMSF and Investor Behaviour. Well, it's been a pretty extraordinary start to 2023 for the markets. One most would say is unexpected, especially after a pretty lacklustre 2022. That wasn't as much fun. The best investors, however, have strategies for every market, and you might need all of them this year, especially the volatile ones. So today I'm joined by Junbei Lu, Portfolio Manager with Tribeca Investment Partners, who many of you will know from the call on Ausbiz, plenty of other sources. She's joined us before and is much loved. We've actually had emails saying, please get Junbei back again. We want to hear from her. Junbei, thanks so much for joining me. Well, thank you so much for uh, for inviting me. And uh, it's always such a pleasure and so great to hear people wanting to hear from me. Yeah, absolutely. So we, we get emails and, uh, and you are at top of the list. So kind of amazing times to be talking as well. I'm so grateful you're joining us now. It's Yeah, we had our whole How's 2023 going to shape up and I don't think anyone expected where we find ourselves right now. What are your thoughts on the beginning of 2023 in markets? Look, I think, you know, market has rallied very, very strongly. And I think this is what caught many people off guard. Uh, we knew this year is going to be a good year, um, you know, looking across the 12 month by December. Uh, um, the reason it was going to be, well, it is going to be a good year simply because, um, you know, we uh, we will have a bit of uh, corporate earnings downgrade, but inflation seems to be on the way down now over in the U.S., and Australia is still rising, but look, slower pace. Um, and uh, and the interest rate expectations um, uh, by many analysts seems to now have topped out. So that means uh, interest rate potentially uh, uh, halfway through this year will be on hold, um, if not cut. Um, and, uh, and, you know, look, corporate, corporate earnings may come off a little bit, but still the balance sheet is very strong. Uh, consumer balance sheet is quite strong. So all of that together means a pretty good share market compared to last year. You know, I think, um, you know, 2022 is pretty much characterized as a, um, you know, uh, economic uh, economic expansionary period where share market was going down. But 2023 uh, is going to be the year that um, economy will slow down and share market will be going up. Now, so this is our overarching sort of thinking uh, in terms of where the share market might end up over the 12 month period. Now, in the first month, first three weeks or first month of the year, we almost, um, you know, rally close to 7%, which is quite meaningful for the large cap and small caps rally even more. Now, this is, um, you know, I would say this is a little bit uh, probably getting ahead of itself for the time being, you know, for the short term. Um, it's because that, um, you know, now that we are with such optimism heading into a reporting season where earnings um, might be a little bit soggy and the outlook uh, will be um, sort of somewhat softer. So you have to have a uh, corporate earnings downgrade. You know, you have to have consensus, bring earnings to more realistic levels um, uh, and sometimes we call a rebasing if you like um, and you know from there then we can grow um, so yeah so it's a little bit um, elevated in terms of share price heading into this reporting season uh, where earnings will probably have to be downgraded between five and ten percent. You've covered so much ground there and I think it's it's such an extraordinary time for investors to be thinking about that. The 7%, we haven't factored in dividends yet in the first month of the year. I mean, that's effectively your full year's return in 30 days. 
kind of, that's you know, right. no it's one's ever said incredible. sell in January and go away, but it, you've kind of got that feeling. If you want to adjust the average return, you could just, you know, take your first month and walk away. You've talked about the risk of earnings downgrades coming into reporting season. Mm. Do you think clearly investors are quite hopeful about reporting season? Do you think that analysts are pricing in some of the risks yet or do you think they're still too optimistic oh look analysts um for the half uh december half um last year i think you know so this reporting season the actual historic number will actually be okay as we have heard from some corporates already particularly consumer stock they already um you know talked to the trading's being okay consumer holding together margins okay so all of that just simply means that the actual historic the, the result will be okay um the challenge here is that consensus is still a little bit too optimistic for the outlook uh here in australia and there in the US. Um, so, you know, with uh, some of the earnings expectation over double digit for next 12 months for corporates, um, you know, taking out the mining companies and uh, the banks uh, is, is, is a little bit um, ambitious. So what we will see is that um, analysts won't uh, touch their current year's number. They will downgrade future year, next 12 month number. So what that would do is that it will drive share price um, lower. Investors are clearly optimistic, hoping that downgrade won't be as large, um, but uh, it just seems a little bit too optimistic at this stage, um, you know, particularly so far through the U.S. reporting season, we've seen the downgrades actually being pretty big, but investors are at the moment um, remain optimistic about what the outlook might look like. Um, you know, that sentiment can turn quite quickly. Um, so we're just a little bit cautious uh, with where that is going. Do you think then that this rally is really just predicated on inflation and rate expectations, not so much on earnings? Do you think it's more about the macro rather than specifically what's happening with stocks? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think this is a really, really good point. This rally is purely on investors became too bearish last year and so positioning. So now they return to normal, come back from holiday thinking they were too bearish. So now they put repositioning, buying a little bit more. And two is that, you know, the inflation looks better and uh, interest rate looks like it's not going as high. Uh, so really just that uh, sentiment and the uh, sentiment change uh, drove that bit of uh, valuation. Um, you know, every uh, market side or share market cycle, there's always two things. So first is the valuation change, and that's a macro driven. And two is that the earnings downgrade or upgrade or downgrade. Um, so uh, we have had the valuation adjustment now, and then the earning is going to be the one to drive it lower because, you know, most of uh, um, uh, any forecasters or analysts and uh, market participants, we all expecting downgrade to come through. Um, and, um, and that is going to be the challenging part um, just in the next month or so. Yeah, it's going to be quite fascinating, isn't it? You made the comment that the expectation is for double-digit growth, ex-banks and miners. Do you have a view on what consumers should be alert for, particularly in those banks and miners, which, to be frank, is where most of our investors have been playing for the last two years? If it's really where their focus has been, yeah. what should they be looking for? 
Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I must say um, retail investors have done incredibly well. <laughs> um, and uh, Australian market is, um, you know, has been the best performing um, stock market in the last 12 months uh, by a long way. Um, our market finished the year almost flat. Um, you know, that's just been incredible uh, in a year where, you know, interest rate expectation going higher and China was in lockdown, all that. So I think investors need to look out for in the next 12 months is that, um, you know, the, the miners still sitting pretty well in terms of what they're paying out in dividend and, um, you know, with China reopening that's re- uh, remain to be supportive of their earnings. Um, but investors do need to be mindful. Um, these two sectors have done very, very well, especially large miners have done very incredibly well. Um, you know, talking about the market rallying ahead of the um, the actual earnings surprises, uh, miners is one that have done incredibly well in the last few months. So that is the challenge for, um, you know, for, for the next few months, you know, when things does slow down a little bit and China reopening, um, you know, it's, it's not going to be as smooth as, um, as many expect, um, you know, over the next 12 months. Um, and uh, so, you know, so that's the area I need to look out for. For the banks and the financial, uh, look, you know, at the, I think for Australian banks, you must say, you can say that next reporting season will be as good as it gets. It will be an incredible reporting season for the banks, um, for a good margin, for a good, um, you know, good uh, earnings growth um, and a good dividend. Um, but the challenge is from here on, uh, it is going to get a little bit more challenging Remember, banks are the leverage instrument on economic activity, and our economic activity is slowing. Uh, so, yeah, so you know, with that sector, it just a little bit uh, need to be a little bit more cautious um, for for the time being. Um, you know, my view is that for the next twelve months, the leadership will change for our market. Um, you know, financials and banks, uh, financials and um, resources were the leader last twelve months, and I think next twelve months it's likely to change into some of the underperformers, uh, some of the growth leaders, the quality leaders, um, is likely to pick up to us, particularly towards the mid to latter part of this year. Oh, so you've led beautifully into my next question, which is, are there any particular sectors or stocks you're keen on right now? Yeah, absolutely. Look, we, um, you know, I think this is the environment where uh, you touched on beautifully previously, environment where active investors would do really well. Um, You know, uh, macro top-down flow and, you know, well, sort of edge and flow um, is going to create a lot of opportunities for active investors. And so stick to the bottom-up stock story is when you generate most of returns, same as last year. And this year will particularly be so uh, when the macro is, um, you know, heading to slow down and China reopening all these conflicting uh, factors at play. Um, so from bottom up, we see opportunities in many different sectors. Healthcare is the one uh, we have liked for quite some time. And we do think this 12 month is going to be very supportive of them. Um, you know, the names we like is um, the top one is Ramsey Healthcare. Um, you know, that company has gone through incredible amount of uh, challenge when the uh, there's, uh, you know, their facility had to be shut to made available for COVID uh, patients. Um, and now clearly they're recovering from it. And we have seen the hospital waiting lists have picked up significantly. Um, aside from that, the company have um, obviously been before by the private equity last year. And, um, you know, it fell apart as, a you know, on the back of uh, back then too much volatility in the bond market and the debt market. Um, but, you know, it's very likely these um, uh, bidder will come back if the share price stays at where it is, because it is a very premium, uh, premium asset trading at a quite a large discount. Um, 
um, you know, the business itself uh, should be trading at a premium to the market and right now still at a discount. So to us, that's, um, you know, it's a very much bottom-up story and the earning is going to grow significantly uh, uh, whether there will be recession or not globally, uh, whether there will be China reopening or not. So, you know, we like story like that in the portfolio because it's very defensive. It will grow. Um, and if, um, you know, if any M&A take place, there's a significant upside. Um, we also like uh, other names that which actually we have liked for quite some time. Treasury Y is another name. Uh, it offers very great, um, you know, growth for the portfolio. Uh, it will grow more than 20%, between 20 to 25% this year um, and uh, trading at a very re a very reasonable multiple. Um, China reopening story is real and the thawing of the China and Australia, um, you know, foreign relationship is um, uh, seems to be real. Um, and if anything, that could provide substantial potential upside to earnings. Remember, China imposed a very severe, you know, very harsh tariff many years ago. And, um, you know, Treasury and many Australian winemakers were forced to sell wine elsewhere. And if that tariff um, gets cut, um, you know, it doesn't have to be 100% cut, but, you know, cut a little bit, um, that it will help with um, expanding Treasury wines market. And, um, you know, it is a clear beneficiary from reopening and a clear beneficiary from, um, you know, thawing of the China and um, Australia relationship. And also um, it's not at a you know, crazy uh, multiple for a growth company uh, with a very strong brand. Um, so, you know, these are just examples of some of the names we really like, um, very much bottom up. And, uh, and we like the earning profile that's not linked to uh, sort of slow down in economic activity. It's one of the historical stories about stocks that uh, you always want to have some alcohol, alcohol producers in your portfolio in an economic slowdown. I hadn't thought of Treasury Wine Estates as one of them, but it's uh, perhaps that's what we need to be holding. Absolutely, you definitely need some. Uh, well, in the other days, I will. I would also put uh, throw in the uh, the infant formula as well. That's also a great beneficiary, um, but uh, not for everybody. <laughs> It's uh, it's also no, I have to say there'll be people I know who are absolutely uh, very anxious about the idea of a thawing of relationship that will mean that they can no longer get all their top quality wines at discount prices after they missed all their export orders. But <laughs> perhaps they should just buy the stock instead, and then they'll be able to afford it. That's right. It's a great hedge, and uh, you know it doesn't stop to uh, to to stock up right now. <laughs> we can see the price going up as we speak. <laughs> it's well, this is so true. So one topic you have talked about in the past, and it's one that people are really passionate about. We see just a huge amount of cash on the sidelines at the moment. It's been high for a long time. That used to be clearly caution about the market when you were getting 0.1 of a percent on your cash, you're only holding it because the alternative makes you nervous and you think you'll lose money. Now it could be more of an asset allocation story that you can get a half decent return on your cash. And so you're holding it for reason, but mostly our investors hold it because they're waiting for a sell-off. Is there anything you're looking at where you go, God, I am so keen to buy this, but it's still a bit expensive when it gets hit. I'd really like to maybe pick up a little bit yeah, look, uh, actually, there's a lot of companies I'm very keen to buy more of. Um, and, um, you know, 
so some of the names we already hold and if they get sold off we always buy more of it um I, actually you know there's two things i want to talk let's talk about the stock first and then i want to talk talk about whether i think there will be a sell-off <laughs> um and all of that so you know the, there's a couple of stocks. so one stock is um again sitting in the healthcare space resmed um you know, just had its result, um, great result. Company will grow mid-teens and trading at less than 20, 30 times earnings. Um, you know, the, historically, this is very good value uh, for this company um, and its earnings very, you know, you know, has been growing very, very strongly. Um, and, um, you know, if it gets sold off, absolutely, I'll be buying um, I'll buying more of it. Um, and I guess any of the company we talked about before, um, we'll be buying more of it if it gets sold off. Um, you know, the, uh, the, there's one company that's always been um, talked about as being way too expensive, uh, that is Prometicus. You know, that's always um, top of our list <laughs> if there's a sell-off. And it does happen every now and then. But the company has performed incredibly well simply because of its defensive nature of the earnings that, um, you know, one of its first to ha have uh, or the image product uh, across the radiology space and, you know, essentially becoming very entrenched in the hospitals. Um, one, all the large contract, not all, a lot of uh, contracts with large hospitals groups in the US um, and it's growing uh, organically in, in a very, very meaningful way. Um, it's expensive, but it is one of the kind. Um, Prometicus is what I would describe, um, you know, in the medical space, like the Netflix of the movie. And uh, you know, um, and um, you know, Prometicus is kind of like the Netflix of the imaging space. So you know, it's it's incredibly fast growing. Uh, it's expensive, um, but um, you know, it, once it uh, when it's con customers, um, you know, the the people just don't move on. The churn churn rate is almost zero, um, and uh, and they continue to win more contracts from those existing customers on top of it, and new customers coming on board. Still very small um, penetration in terms of the addressable market, um, and uh, it, it's going global so um yeah so this is one that we always very like um you know whenever there's sell-off we always to um top up on that part um so put that stocks aside i guess you know whether there will be a sell-off um look we think the market has rallied hard we think you'll gradually probably uh grind a little bit lower in the next couple couple months um you know we think um between in the next three to six months that you will see more volatility um i wouldn't call it a sharp sell-off um it's likely to be um, weaker every day um and um you know sort of just because as the earning gets downgraded and get grinded lower. Um, and this is where, you know, investors will see their opportunity. But my advice is always is that, um, you know, don't, trying to hold cash back and thinking there will be a massive sell-off. I always believe you work a value out of something you want to buy. You work out a price you want to buy at and just buy it because, you know, chances are you're never going to pick the very bottom of a stock. It's very unlikely. Um, you may get it, but it's, you know, it's unlikely on the, if you make many calls. Um, so, you know, it's best to buy as you see value presents to you. And, um, and then, you know, once everyone realized there is value, um, you know, you already set rather than, you know, trying to hope for the market, uh, market to come back, because I know so many people, it's a bit like housing market. I know so many people sitting back and, uh, essentially eventually miss out on some of the greatest opportunities. Um, and, you know, for us, luckily we're an active investor. We always, whenever we see opportunity, we buy them. Um, and we never run out of cash because we can short. Um, and this is how we continuously outperform because we can constantly jump in whenever see, we see opportunity, even though it may be out of favor. Um, so yeah, so, so don't wait for that, um, you know, sort of sell off. And uh, we may get to the bull market quite quickly, um, you know, if the earnings turn out to be not too bad.
There's so much good advice in that. And I think there is there's absolutely a tendency in a reasonably large proportion of the population to hope for a massive sell-off. That 30% fall in three weeks was <laughs> such an extraordinary moment in 2020. And mm. so many people did so well out of it. But I think it may have created an expectation that that will happen again. And it might, but probably not for 50 years, right? Like we haven't seen a lot of sell-offs like that uh, in history. We're talking, you know, they haven't happened once a decade. You know, there was one yeah. in 87, I guess. And that then is so true. Before that, you're going back a long, long time. If you're hoping for that again, you are likely to be disappointed. You, know, you will see 10% sell-off for sure, but 30% is very unlikely unless you're watching individual stocks. You're not going to see the whole market go that way very often. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think, you know, when it took place in during the pandemic, we were telling our clients this is once in decade, in a decade opportunity to buy some of the, you know, highest quality companies. And when it happens, um, sadly, most of the people are fearful. Uh, that's why it falls so much. <laughs> so um, that's why, you know, so many investors at the time were saying, oh, if it's fallen, it might fall more. So, so you know, that was my point that, you know, you you can never pick the very, very bottom. Um, you may well be a week too early, but, um, you know, it's uh, uh, it, it, it really gets you incredible prices um, or, you know, you can generate incredible returns um, from those sort of volatile periods. The interesting thing is we saw dramatic dramatic buying during that period, very little selling, dramatic buying, and our customer base doubled during that period as well when retail investors realized this was the once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. They bought like crazy. The only, the only thing that's been difficult is that every market since then has been extremely disappointing. Uh, <laughs> you haven't had anything like that kind of sell-off, and you really want to buy all these amazing things that, half what you paid for them. And, uh, and you're no longer getting that opportunity. It's more difficult now, right? So it's, uh, people got, they got that windfall. It was really exciting, but now you got the boring bit where you got to kind of grind, you know, <laughs> grind. you got to grind. Yeah, that's it. Right. So, um, my, I, I thought, um, I must say that retail investors done so well relative to institutional investors during those days, um, simply because it was, it, it was a period where you just buy, um, you know, you just buy anything <laughs> and you made increase, especially the more volatile it is, the more return you generated during those days. Um, and, uh, institutional investor, I must say that at the time was much more cautious, risk averse, and especially for the ones that can't, uh, long short or anything. So not the active ones. Um, they kind of have to wait till the risk um, seems like the risk dissipated before they can buy. So they missed all that first thirty percent um, of the rally, uh, and uh, and the retail investor done incredibly well. Now I guess the key difference between then and now is that uh, money was so cheap then. Um, you know, it was money costs nothing to to borrow and to spend. Um, it costs company nothing to uh, to go buy companies. It costs private equity companies to to um to nothing to you know to to uh, to buy our businesses so you know the money was very cheap so hence why um the risk rally was uh, so overblown you know um anything you buy that any company didn't make money um would have rallied significantly Tri double triple quadruple or you know 
um, many baggers. Um, but today's world is harder. Now we know the interest rate increase may only have a little bit to go, but still money costs a lot more to borrow and to make things happen. Um, that's why my view is that in today's world, be very cautious in what you invest in. We do think growth will do better, but don't invest in companies that haven't proven its business model. Um, you kind of need them to have a commercial product. They actually making money. They demonstrated their ability to make money. Um, so, you know, stick to the quality leader. We do think 2022 is a year where quality leader would do really well. Uh, right now, they lagged a little bit this month, the first month of the year. Uh, that's because, you know, a bit of a risk rally. But uh, throughout this 12 months, you will see quality leaders will do incredibly well. They will outperform and they, because they're the one with the pricing power, with, um, you know, strong cash flow, with, uh, you know, very strong customer base, and they will withstand um, sort of uh, cyclical weakness. Um, yeah. So, you know, stick to the quality is, is, uh, is going to be the key this year. All of that's so true. And as you say, things, things have changed a lot since 2020. It's changed a lot. You've made the point that you manage a long, short portfolio. So you can take an active position in stocks that you don't like. Mm. What do you suggest investors avoid right now? What is the stuff you're going, oh, I want to take a bet that's going down? Yeah. Um, so my view is that, um, you know, you have to be a bit careful with the consumer discretionary stocks. I know they have traded very well um, and Christmas turned out to be better than expected, um, but they are really trading on the last hurrah. Um, you know, we talk about the bank trading on the best, uh, you know, the, as good as it gets in terms of results. Um, the retailers is pretty much so as well. Um, the likes of, you know, super cheap, um, they, you know, they had a really great Christmas They've done well with uh, um, their margin, but the trading is now falling. They are cycling very, very strong comps, which means people have spent a lot of money on those things, on buying goods in the last three years during pandemic. Um, at some point, they will stop buying those. They will spend money, more money on travel, more money on you know services. Um, and at the same time, we are hitting, started getting into a period where consumer will tighten their belt um, just simply because mortgage rates getting a bit more expensive. Um, you know, some of the fixed rate, um, fixed home loan is going to be rolled. Majority will be rolled by mid this year. Uh, so we do have some challenge headwinds uh, coming towards um, uh, sort of into the consumer discretionary space. So be very cautious holding these companies. You know, some of them are very good companies, but it just, um, if they're mature, they're not going to, they are going to have a cycle. And for retailers, when top line's falling, um, you know, it's double hit. So the top, top line falling, their margin will crunch because it's a fixed cost business um, and uh, and their earning can fall a lot. So um, for the next 12 months, consumer stock, just be very cautious. I know they have a lot of cash, um, but they are unlikely to pay out big dividends because even retailer themselves will be very, very cautious heading into this period. Yeah, that's so interesting. I think I've made the comment on this podcast before, when you look around the people you know, you can see the consumer behavior changing. The one that's been most interesting for me is the friends who were planning to send their kids to private school and are now looking very closely at the local state school. <laughs> that's that's quite a dramatic shift in your expenditure patterns if you're uh, if you're making that uh, that kind of change in your plans. And it's happened in the last six to nine months. Just as mm. rates start to rise, we're deep in the mortgage belt at the moment. 
That's right. Absolutely. Well, look, I think this is going to be very challenging. Look at this. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of pessimistic, um, you know, economic commentators out there uh, talking about mid-years, the cliff that we're going to face. Um, I don't necessarily think it's a cliff. I think consumer will just gradually tighten the belt. Um, but um, And then, you know, the default rate, the banks aren't likely to push their own customer into default um, because it doesn't look good for anyone. So I do think that the churn for the banks will will, will go lower because, you know, if you're already with a bank, they will, they're likely to renew your home loan um, at whatever rate they can offer you. Um, And, um, but then those customers aren't likely to be able to find a new bank. So, um, so churn will go down and default rate will be reasonably benign, may pick up a little bit around those really tough areas. Um, But still, remember, we're still way below historic numbers. Um, Yeah. So it's just going to get a little harder rather than, you know, this clip we were talking about by, uh, by July. I think you're right. There was talk about the interest-only cliff a few years ago. Do you remember this? When everyone was rolling off their five-year interest-only loans and that was when everything was going to go to pieces in the property market and it never happened and two years later it doubled. So (laughs) So, I'm glad we didn't worry too much about the interest-only cliff. It had no impact at all apart from very briefly. I think you're so right. And this is, I guess this is a great thing about the share market that um, share market is just full of uh, greed and fear. You know, so it always moved from one side to the other um and uh, so always overplays the scary things or the you know the bullish things um and this what creates opportunity um you know when everyone's so scared and talking about all these things and you know to be honestly this is a time to really find value uh this is when you just go you know what let me assume it's actually not as bad um you know turn out to be a lot of value for the investors so you know so it's um this is a great opportunity actually to, to be going through these um these uh these uh stocks individually and find which one is actually being overplayed for by some of those themes. And there are so many, so many themes out there that you can pay attention to where the story is really bad. Uh, exciting to start thinking about it. Shumba, you're a regular on many great sources of ideas and insights for investors. Where do people go to find out more about you and Tribeca and what you're working on? Yeah, of course. Look, I um, I talk a lot, and uh, so we do. Uh, I run the Tribeca Alpha Plus Fund, and that's a longshore fund. And uh, you know, quite pleased to say, we're a number one longshore manager uh, here in Australia by Mercer. And um, you know, uh, our performance, uh, we're actually probably one of the longest running as well since two thousand six. Um, you know, p- uh, people can always find out what I'm doing um, either on LinkedIn, follow me on LinkedIn, or uh, go to our website TribecaIP.com.au. Um, um, and uh, otherwise, you know, you read what, what I'm writing about or uh, listen to your podcast <laughs> uh, talking about what we're looking at. We'll have to get you on more often. Jumbe Lu from Tribeca Investment Partners. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much, Gemma. Thank you so much for listening also. As always, we love hearing from you. We get great feedback. We love getting your questions. We love hearing who you would like to hear more from. Jumbo was top of the list, as I said. So please just email us at yourwealth@nab.com.au, and I look forward to talking to you again soon. I'm Gemma Dale. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Your Wealth with Gemma Dale. To stay up to date, please subscribe to this podcast series or email us at yourwealth at nab.com.au. Please note that any advice provided in this podcast has been prepared without taking into account your objectives, financial circumstances or needs. Before acting, you should consider the appropriateness of the information. 
To find out more, please visit nab.com.au.